If you are a Christian, do you need to be a part of a church? After all, you might be thinking to yourself, Jesus never was on earth while the church was in existence. If I just want to be a follower of Jesus, can't I just be a follower of Jesus? What did Jesus think about the church? This week we dive into scripture and study that exact topic. Thank you for being here. So far, when you look at this class series of resolution, what we have seen is we've gone in and we discussed uh, our personal faith. That was right resolution 360. And we went and we looked at how can we develop our own faith and, and went through that whole process. Uh, last week we went in and said, okay, Resolution 720, expanded it a little bit, looked at our friend groups, looked at who we were hanging out with, looked at our um, friends in general as as who they were and said, okay, um, are these people uh, good friends or am I trying um, to be a good example to them? We discussed that last week. Today, uh, we get to expand our resolution to 1080, which I don't know if many of you know anything about 1080. Right now you're looking at a 1080 screen, so it's pretty clear, okay? It's not, it's no longer any standard definition. We now have a full, beautiful image um, at 1080, which is expanding past our, obviously, personal self in general and getting to go to a more broad um, sense, and we're going to get to look at the church, at a bigger mission. What does it mean to be a part of the church? What should our goals look like when it comes to the church? What we're going to get to do today is, is I want us to zoom out um, and see what the Im- bigger imprint of our walk in the church needs to look like. Now, if you're sitting here tonight and saying, like, man, that's a, that's a cool class. I hope you're all sitting there saying that. Um, I'm excited because, Lord willing, what we're going to do is continue the resolution series into February and look at the idea of a resolution in the church. Um, and so we're lo- I'm looking forward, uh, like I said, Lord willing, we get to February. You never know, you could come before February, um, and we could all be in heaven, which would be great. Um, but uh, Lord willing, we're going to get to go and, and have that series on the church in February. And I'm very um, excited for that. And so tonight what we're going to do is we are going to look at some things that's almost not a full, just an introduction, because I think we get to go into some depth tonight. But what we're going to get to do is we're going to get to go in um, and maybe say some things or talk about some things that are like, maybe I know that, but hopefully we can take some things and and broaden them a little bit uh, and also let you dig in a little deeper so you can be like, hey, that is something uh, that's really neat that, that you hopefully can learn. Um, to start out, though, tonight, because it's so key, what do you think about the church? We talked about this several months ago. As I was sitting here preparing this class, I was like, I don't remember when we had this discussion. But I know we've had it. You probably don't remember when it was or if we had it because I barely remember it and I was the one teaching it. Um, but what are your thoughts about the church? What um, do you what you think about the church is, like I said, going to play a huge role in how you're about to view this class. Because you can sit here and be somebody who's like, yes, the church is a necessary part of Christianity and all that stuff, and, and like I'm a avid uh, member of the church. That, that sets you up, and you're like, okay, I, I'm going to get this. Maybe you're sitting here, and you're like, I just think that the church is a cool place for Christians to gather and worship. That's the extent 
of what the church is in the spiritual world. Maybe you see the church as like simply a nonprofit charity. Like, hey, we're going to go in and we're not trying to make a profit. We're just trying to do good things. Maybe you see the church as organizers and event planners. Maybe you see the church as a bunch of phonies who don't know what they're talking about. And it's a bunch of people who go to a really weird social club. Here's the thing is the church is something special. And if you're sitting here reading this question of what do you think about the church, what I want us to do as we begin this idea and, and as we talk about this idea of what the church is, uh, I want us to go in and kind of break down what it is so maybe your thoughts can better understand where we are uh, at the church. And man, people outside this classroom right now are so, so loud. Um, so what I want us to do, let's go ahead, if you have a Bible, be opening up to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we are going to be uh, starting tonight. We're going to look at a couple passages, um, but the whole goal of this is to sit here and, and go through uh, this passage and another one to gain kind of some knowledge tonight. Now, Ephesians chapter 5 uh, is going to be um, what we're going to see. You, we'll eventually get to it at the Bride of Christ on the board. Kind of spoiler to where we're going to get. Um, but we're going to start in verse 22. Now, I don't know what all the translations say. I should have looked it up. The ESV says wives and husbands. Now, I don't know if you're sitting there um, and you're like, mine, like, why would we be in a conversation about the church going to a discussion in Ephesians about wives and husbands, right? This is something um, that when I was going through premarital counseling, Amelia and I sat down with John David and he's like, all right, one of the passages we're going to open up to is Ephesians 5. And it was great. And we sat here and studied it. Um, but what we're going to get to do today is like go to this and look at it on uh, the idea of the church and who the church is. So I want us to read. We're going to start in verse 22. Uh, and we're going to read through the beginning of 23. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. Now, I know there's not a punctuation there, but I want us to stop there for just a minute. Because this is what Paul's going to do. He's going to start out writing in this passage. Okay, by the way, wives, submit to your husbands. Why? Because he is the head of the wife. Now, I hope that um, that does not offend any of uh, you in this room. Um, because what he's going to do is he's going to have this first little bit where he's going to describe the God-focused family dynamic here. I'll say, okay, when, when you're going to be, if you want to be in a Christian relationship, a Christian marriage, what the wife is going to do is she's going to submit to her husband. He's the head of the household, and, and, and that's how it's going to be. And, and I hope that doesn't, um, like, like I said before, I hope that doesn't seem offensive or anything like that. But what God is, he's not saying, hey, the wife is worthless. He's just saying when it comes down to it, the husband is going to be the head of the household, and the wife needs to submit to what he is saying. That doesn't mean that the wife does not have a right. That doesn't mean that there's no communication in the relationship or that the wife is not able to give her opinion. This is simply, hey, what the husband says is the final decision. That's how this marriage looks under a uh, Christ-centered home. And so that's how, how he starts out this passage. What he's going to do, and what we're about to see, is he's going to continue bringing up this idea of husbands and wives. Once again, it doesn't make a lot of sense that we're here in this passage right now, except for that it's about to bring in, uh, in the comparison of the marriage between a husband and wife and Jesus and the church. 
So let's keep on going. In verse 20, uh, in the, yeah, in verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as, so just like the husband is the head of the wife, just like, just like um, the wife is to submit to the husband, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So as a reader of this passage, as I'm reading through it the first time, I sit there and I read, okay, what I'm seeing is Christ, uh, or the wives submit to your husbands. But then what's it say? It says, as Christ is the head of the church. Wives are to, to submit to their husbands because their husbands uh, were the head of the wife. And so when we sit here and it says, by the way, Christ is the head of the church, as a reader, I automatically am assuming, okay, what's that mean? Christ is head of the church. Verse 24 is going to confirm this concept. Now as the church submits, this is verse 24 of Ephesians 5, now as the church submits to Christ, notice you're sitting there seeing once again as the wife submits to her husband, uh, as the church submits to Christ, it's the, the, the church is the wife, is what we're seeing here. So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. He brings it all back full circle and talks about how wives should submit to their husbands. Therefore, the church should submit to Christ. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives. He's about to make a huge comparison here as we're going throughout this whole passage. Husbands, love your wives. Why? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, verse 26, that he might sanctify her, that he might set her apart. This is talking about the church having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she, the church, every time it says she, it's talking about the church here in this moment, might be holy and without blemish. As we read this, what do we get? We get that we, because the church as a whole is we the people in the congregation, are the bride of Christ. Why does that mean a lot of things? Why does that mean anything? He's about to bring this all together in, in verse uh, 28. He's going to continue on with this idea. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Notice that he never sits there and says, by the way, wives submit your husbands and that's it. It's a two-way street. He says, by the way, husbands, you're going to love your wives. You can't just command her and tell her what to do. You can't be a jerk to her. You can't, you can't shut her out. No, no, no. She's going to submit to you, but you are going to love her. This is what he's referencing. Verse 28, so we're in 28. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife uh, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ cherishes does the church, because we are members of his body. So he sits here and says, okay, we are members of his body. What does this mean? What he's about to do in verse 31 of this passage in Ephesians 5 is he's going to quote something from the beginning of Scripture, something from Genesis chapter 2, a passage that is going um, to, to reference a husband and wife from the beginning of time. This is what he says in verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, and what and hold fast to his wife. Here's the key. And the two shall become one flesh. He sits here and talks about a husband and wife. At one point in time, when you grow up, 
and I know I'm the only one who's married in this room, but one day when you guys grow up and you go get married, you are going to leave your mother and father and you are going to become uh, a family with your spouse. You are going to become one flesh. What's, what your spouses will be yours and vice versa. There's Everything is being shared together. You are one together. So why does this matter in the conversation about the church? And I know we're going fast, and I know it's probably really quick, but don't worry. If you really are like, I'm lost, you can go back and watch it on YouTube or listen to the podcast. Um, anyways, shameless plug. Um, why does this matter, though, when we're talking about husband and wives being one together in the conversation of the church. Because we are the church. If we as the church are the bride of Christ, and in this passage he brings it up together and says that a husband and wife are one flesh, it means that we are one flesh with Christ. When we sit here and go through all this and, and say all these things, what he's doing, he's not sitting here and saying, just making the comparison. He's sitting here and saying, hey, just like uh, Jesus, a husband and wife are one flesh, just like they're one together, you as the Christians, as the, the church, are to be one with Christ. You are together. You do not separate. You are one. And you want to grow and you want to be stronger. When we're discussing this idea of the church, and we're going to say this over and over again throughout this class, we are a part of his body. And we have to realize that that is bigger than us. When we sit here and say, yes, I want to be a part of that church. I, I, want, to, I want to be a Christian. I want to go to church and, and, and be a part of that church. It's not just that I'm going to go to church anymore. It goes from a me to we moment. It's not an I, it's an us. You're one <clears throat> with Christ. There is no division. I don't know if any of you guys um, watch YouTube vloggers. I do, um, because I'm a nerd. Um, but there's one of them who is married who will go uh, and he'll go out and about and do different things. And every once in a while, uh, he'll go out by himself without his wife. And I'll notice something that he does. Even when he's alone, he says the phrase, we. Now, he didn't used to do that. Before he got married, he never did that. Now that he's married, he's in such a habit of saying, we are doing this because they have said, you know what? We're going to be one. We're one together. We are doing this. And what he's saying here in this Ephesians chapter 5 is that when we look at the church, when we think about the church with Jesus, it's not like the church and Jesus. It's we, the church, and Jesus. And so we get to this idea of wondering how important is this church to Jesus? If we can't sit here uh, and, and find it from this passage alone and say, hey, the church is the bride of Christ, which means it's a lot to Jesus— uh, what we're going to do is I think we can go to one more place that's going to give us a really good illustration of what the church means to Jesus. So let's go ahead and go over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, a few months ago, I think it was maybe in August, we read this passage in a totally different context. Um, so don't be like, oh, we're just going to the same passage over and over again. Uh, we're going to go back here, read it in a different context to kind of bring out a few more things. Um, if you were here and remember that. Uh, but 
We're going to go ahead and read. This is Jesus. He's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and if you remember in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he's preaching to all these people. He hasn't yet died on the cross. He hasn't yet been resurrected. And he's sitting here and he's preaching to a lot of Jews in this moment. Um, and I want us to read Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 9. We're going to read all the way through verse 13. This is uh, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, this is the model prayer. When you, when you pray, pray, live, pray then like this. That's how he starts out, verse 9. And then he says the prayer. Verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Did you notice anything about the church in that moment? Did you notice anything about the church? How about right off the bat, he starts out, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is it? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's not sitting here talking about, when he talks about this kingdom, he's not talking about like, boom, let's go to war, let's take over. We get that. He's not sitting here even talking about um, the Jewish kingdom, which is what all their minds were going to. He's not even talking about the growth of the Jewish community. In this moment, Jesus, years before he ever is going to die on the cross, and, and, and a couple of years before the church begins, he's going to say, what you need to be including in your prayers right now, what is so important for you to be praying for is the church. In the model prayer, Jesus sits here and says, what you need to be praying for is the church to thrive. Jesus cares so much about the church. Like, is the church important to Jesus? He cares so much about it that he's going to include it in like the most important things to pray for. The church is a big deal for Jesus. And I want to say this, and, and I don't know if we can say this enough. And, and it sounds harsh, but, but I think this is one of the toughest ideas. Jesus loves the church so much. He's one with the church. We are a part of his body. That it could be said that you cannot be a Christian and not be a part of the church because they're one together. As we go into this and as we think about it, I want us to think about the idea of what should the church look like. Because we can go on through all of this, and, and like I said, we're going to get a, a brief overview in a few uh, next month. Um, we're hopefully going to get to go over and dig into a little bit of a deeper idea of what this is going to be, this idea of what should the church look like, um, which is a challenging question. Um, but if we're thinking back to the body of Christ and how we're one with Christ, the church should look like Christ, right? So we should be his body, one with him. So if Jesus was going to show love to people uh, who are sick and hurting, what should we do as the church? Show love to those who are sick and hurting. If, if Jesus was going to go out of his way to talk to those who rejected, we should be, as a church, reaching out to those who have been rejected. If Jesus was going to forgive someone who was caught in adultery, we should be people who are going to forgive people who are caught in adultery. 
This is who Jesus was. Whoever Jesus was when he was on earth should be the people, the congregation, the body of people that we are trying to be now. So what's our resolution to this? When you think about this, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, man, I, I, I struggle to be those things. I think we as a church body struggle to be those things. What is our resolution to this? And I said this a moment ago, and we're going to say it again. When we think bigger than ourselves, when we think about who we should be, when we think about the church, what is going to be our goal? If we want the church to become Jesus, to become his body and the best we can make it, the church isn't going to be a place where we just go to church. Well, well yeah, I go to church, and, and, and like I actually live a good life, and, and I don't do things throughout the day that you know are bad. I, I feel like I've, I'll read the Bible and, and what it says not to do. I, I, I don't do that. I show up on Sunday mornings, and that's great, and that's wonderful, and I'm doing great. No, you think I go to parties and do all this crazy stuff that, that God wouldn't approve of? You're insane. That's not me. I'm not that person. You're crazy forever thinking that. I'm at church on Sundays, and I live like I should day to day. I don't do anything wrong. See, I don't think Jesus was the person who was ever going to live the like a good person and they go to church on Sundays. See, the body of Jesus was going to be the person who was going to take that next step. The body of Jesus wasn't content when he was on earth with just sitting around and doing nothing. Jesus Christ, who he was, had the goal of, hey, I'm going to go out of my way to forgive you. I'm going to go out of my way to reach out to you. I'm going to go out of my way to talk to the one who's rejected. I'm going to go out of the way to talk to a woman of Samaria that I'm not ever supposed to be talking to. I'm going to go out of my way to make people fall and love with me. Church isn't a place where we just go to church. The church is the body of Christ. It's our home, our body. The only body, by the way, that really matters because in reality, it is the body of Christ. Here's my challenge to us tonight. If you say right now, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I hope that... that so many of us in this room can say that, and if you can't say that, I hope that we can discuss it and you can say that. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, what are you doing to make the church stronger? What extra step are you taking? What are you doing to help grow the body? When is it going to be uh, more of a like, no, I just don't fit in at this church board. You know, I, I would go there, but but I'm conservative. Or I go there because I'm a conservative. Or I don't go there because they're liberal. Or I, I'm going to go to that church because they're a little bit more liberal. When is it going to become more than something that we just show up to and become who we are? Is the body of Christ going to become everything we care about? We have somebody walk into a, a church building who's never experienced the body of Christ before. How are they going to react? 
Are they going to sit there and say, yes, the body of Christ is awesome. The body of Christ is something I want to be a part of. Are they going to be like, the body of Christ is some weird social club that I don't really care about. So now I want to ask you, would you ever want to be a part of the body of Christ that hinders his ability? I don't know if you've ever broken an arm or a finger or a leg or anything like that. If you, I was younger, so back in the day, um, my dad enjoys playing guitar. He still enjoys playing the guitar. Um, and, you know, when you play the guitar, you have to strum with one hand and play the strings with the other hand. Um, and so it takes uh, both hands to play the guitar. Now, my dad uh, was splitting logs with my grandfather with a log splitter. Now, I don't know if you've ever used a log splitter or seen one. It's a machine um, where it's like you set the log in and then it shoots forward and crushes the log into like kind of a sharp pointed end um, and it splits the log and it's a lot easier than using an axe. So my dad and grandfather were out there working a log splitter together and my dad set the log and the log splitter. My grandfather misheard him and accidentally pressed the button and the log splitter crushed my dad's hand in between like the back of the log splitter and, his, and the log. And his hand like, like thankfully he can use it now. I don't, it's kind of a miracle, but like it was nothing. It was, and not to be graphic, it was a pulp. Um, which was, it was, that was graphic. Um, it was really disgusting. Um, but for a whole, whole long time, my dad was unable to ever play the guitar. He couldn't do it. Why? He didn't have motion in his hands. He couldn't move his hands. He didn't have feeling in them. It was impossible. They were flat. It was disgusting. The fingers didn't work. Now, I want to, it's kind of a weird uh, connection here. If Columbia, Tennessee is the guitar, and when God looks at his church and says, all right, you guys are my fingers, are we a smashed finger, or are we a finger that can play the strings? As an individual, are we a person who can sit here and say, like, when Jesus calls me and he wants to, to play a string with, with that finger, I'm there. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to do whatever he needs me to do because I'm an active finger on the body. Or am I somebody who, who when Jesus calls me to use, uh, to calls on me to do something, I'm unable to move. I'm smashed and limp and worthless. A resolution here right now are to be a people who love the church like Christ loved the church. To be a part of the body at all times. Thank you so much for being with us this lesson. If you enjoyed your time listening to this lesson, check out our website at www.southgatesm.org. We would love to have you be a part of our group. Have a blessed day.